0: to an international brand before americaneagle.com we partially launched a new technology platform developed by another firm american eagle helped take our technology to a whole new level with digital marketing software development and business insights into our key markets appliances hvac and outdoor power equipment and did so both on time and on budget AmericanEagle.com has the resources, experience, and talent needed to produce solutions. Our new technology platform developed by AmericanEagle.com has produced tremendous results with higher traffic, conversion, engagement, and online revenue. If you have any home repairs you need to take care of, check us out at RepairClinic.com. If you need a world-class website or technology project, then I would highly recommend AmericanEagle.com. Call AmericanEagle.com at 773-NETWORK. That's AmericanEagle.com 773-NETWORK. Get the appliances
1: you need right away at Lowe's. Explore the largest assortment of brands you trust, like Whirlpool, Samsung, and LG, in-store or online at the best values. Plus, take advantage of our everyday financing offers on top items, from refrigerators to laundry pairs. And there's more. Get your new appliances delivered or installed quickly at your convenience. Because Lowe's knows appliances. Lowe's knows home improvement. Subject to credit approval.
2: It's 2 p.m. in Memphis, Giannotto and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence, live on Memphis' sports station, 92.9 FM, ESPN.
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Giannotto and Jeffrey show. We're coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter on X at jwright 929 espn Dennis Fuller is of the program for us. Glad that he is with us. Sitting across from me is the Commercial Appeals lead sports columnist. The lead sports columnist of the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. Top three sports columnist in the state of Tennessee. Barely. Tied for eighth, best sports columnist in the United States of America. He is on Twitter on X at MGNOTTO. Mark, good day, sir. Hello, Jeffrey. That was a fun night last night, huh? Yeah, a couple of like no apparent fun reason games. Um That Grizzlies game was something else. Well, I don't know. It it, wasn't a great game in terms of well played. I thought the Toronto game, in terms of like intensity, the Toronto game was more fun. Like, I don't know. I felt like a lot of people, like, I'm it it was a, a it was a good watch. It was unexpected. But I'm not exactly going to sit here and pretend like, oh, man, Miami was locked in. Like, that was a high-intensity game. Like, it it really felt to me like part of what happened for the Grizzlies was, like, Miami just did not look ready to play. They looked very apathetic. Yes, they looked. Yeah, it was. Jimmy Butler in particular. Yeah, and Jimmy. then I did think, who was it that popped him? I was like, do we break his nose so they can't come back and win? That was... When he we got popped. He got popped in the face, mm. and his nose like would not stop bleeding. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. like, oh I man, was that that. that that that's a that's a nice way to finish the last two minutes. But we've now got back to back no apparent reason Grizzlies wins, mm-hmm. um, and um, what was the other no apparent reason wins last night? Well, no, I'm just saying like oh, it, just it, in general, they, yeah. yeah. Just, they're coming back home. They, it's been a it, the month of January. The Grizzlies have been away a lot. Yeah. and then in the month of february they're going to be here a lot um it's something we should debate on the show like i did did these back to back wins these didn't do anything for you in terms of like changing your mindset on the season correct no but i i i i found i would rather have watched that than watched some of the crap we watched the first month 25. and a half yeah well, because I I thought Gabe brought up a good point on Twitter about how much more enjoyable these games with the depleted Grizzlies have been as opposed to those games ones, those yeah. games in November or whatever with the depleted Grizzlies. Um, so it does feel like all the pressure is off. Yeah, no. Uh, we'll dive into it with Eric Hasseltine later this hour. He's going to join us at two forty, fresh off that road trip uh, with the Grizzlies. Um, we'll start things off today. With a little Tigers talk, Penny Hardaway just finished speaking to the media about uh, a little over an hour and a half ago, hour, hour and a half ago. I was there. Some interesting stuff said. Um, remember, it's back to basics weeks, Jeffrey. It's yeah. it's toughest practices of the year. Toughest practices of the year. Uh, so we'll talk Tigers. We'll talk Grizzlies. Three o'clock or so, we'll get in, into the list. My guy Jim Harbaugh has a new job uh, officially. Yeah, sad for me. Sad, sad day, bad day. Sad Sad for both guys on the show Yeah. Here. I, um, I think I'm more broken up about it than you are. I, well, I had come to terms with it. Yeah. I'm I'm a Michigan. I went into the national championship game going, this is his last game as the Michigan head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd come to I'd largely come to come to grips with it. Um, but we'll talk we'll talk Harbaugh. We'll talk uh, the latest uh, heading into the AFC and NFC championship games. Also, uh, did you see the little tiff Luca got in last night with Tim McMahon? I did. Well, so well, you also got into it with a fan. With a fan. But yes, the McMahon tweet set more, him off. It's become more of a yeah, more of a Luca versus Tim McMahon deal, mm. and obviously that that hits home because some people here don't like don't like Tim because of uh, they some feel jaw like, reporting. Yeah, some jaw Ooh. reporting. So uh, plenty to get to there. Also, oh the. We got another NBA coach firing. Mm. Or, no, excuse me. No, this excuse is a reassignment. Me. Yes, reassignment. Yeah, no, this is a reshuffling of the deck. <laughs> yes, uh, so uh, plenty uh, there. And then 3.30 uh, or so, Jason. You can actually S- make the arguments of mercy killing. 3.30 or so, Jason Smith will join us. Well, it's, it's Wes Unseld's son, all right? It's a franchise yeah, well, legend. You're telling me I don't have to coach anymore? Thank you. Yeah. this is. It's kind of what they did with Wes Unseld. Wes Unseld was a horrible coach. And they said, "All right, well, he, we can't fire him. Let's make him the GM." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Newsflash: He was well, also a bad GM. He, was it was it cut out for that as well? Yeah. Um, so, but let's let's start with the little tigers. They play right? they play UAB uh, on Sunday. Um, this is our this was kind of the first time Penny and the players had spoken midweek in a while, just with the cadence of games. You know, because sometimes, especially after losses and especially with the players, you know, like when you're talking to guys after losses, it's really hard to get, like, deep good answers. No one really wants to. Yeah, you know, know. no one's really super pumped to talk. You know, like, sometimes you'll get good stuff from the coach because they're so pissed, you know, or angry, whether it's at the questions they're being asked or the performance on the court. But with the players, it's usually like, yeah, we just need to get better. Yeah. Like, no. or whatever, you know, like. No, I did not. You get very basic answers. And it goes for the NBA. It goes for the NFL. And at any time someone says, like, a media member is rooting for a loss... They've never actually... They've they, never actually been in no, the No, you actually business. dread going to loss. It's you're, only if you have, like, a fire take where you're like, all right, well, at least I can fire this thing off. But, like, still, it's like... If you're covering a game, you do not want them to yeah, lose. Yeah, generally speaking, you write a far better story when they the team you're covering wins than if they lose. Yes. Um and you get way better answers. Yes. Um but we were able to talk it was Penny, David Jones and Carl Sharefront today. Um so and it was interesting. Um true to true to word or I guess true to what he said on the radio his own radio show earlier this week. I mean it sounded like I don't know if I asked David Jones and Carl Sharefront you know were these the toughest practices mm-hmm. of the year? Didn't get a direct answer on that but just Consensus was they were significantly tougher than the practices that they'd had been having were. Um, But Penny offered some interesting insight. One on the injury front, sounds like we're all good. Um, Naquan Tomlin, who remember he got poked in the eye, turns out he got a scratch retina. I guess Um, didn't practice. Sounds horrible. Didn't practice yesterday. Had to wear like sunglasses, but apparently did practice today. Um, might have to wear, like, goggles. I was going to say, are we getting specs? I don't know if we're getting go- he, Penny said he practiced without goggles today. So I don't know if I'm in the game. He'll have to. But I would think if he's practicing without them, he doesn't have to play with them. Um, so there's that. Jaquan Walton, sounds like he's fine. Um, and uh, Nick Jourdain, Penny said, really shouldn't have played against Tulane, had food poisoning. And the reason I bring all this up is because Penny's point was, the USF loss and this is sort of what we talked about on the show yesterday. The USF loss was bad. We had a melt I believe he phrased it as a meltdown, the USF game. But I would say that characterized the certainly that second half, yeah. Yeah. But in his mind, the Tulane game really came down to by the end of the game, you didn't have Jaquan Walton, you didn't have Naquan Tomlin, Nick Jordan was like a shell of himself because he's dealing with food poisoning. And Malcolm Dandridge fouled out. Towards the end of the game. So you're, you know, like, yeah. he, he really looks at that Tulane game more as availability. Yeah, like they, they lost personnel. it because of the personnel they had had and didn't have available. And then you add in the fact one of the few guys you did have still, Javon Quinterly, played his worst game of the year, arguably. Certainly his worst half in that second half. Yeah, I, uh, I would totally and agree. And so. Yeah, um, I, mean, I didn't think he was great against USF in the second half either, but yes, I. It, he he I think I think I think the the two losses in his performance might be related. And, and this was a this was an interesting quote, Penny had. I'm having to start all over. I'm taking what I usually do in the beginning and doing it now. One thing I did wrong is I accepted in winning what I wouldn't accept in losing, and it caught up to us. That's what he said today. Yeah, and I think I mean, I also think that that's natural. Yep. I think oftentimes when you win, it masks, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's tough to sit there when you're winning You go, it's A, as a coach, it's tough to sit there and say we've got to be better mm-hmm. because everyone goes we're winning, whatnot, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's And then when you're winning, like, you don't want to just change things up for the sake of changing you up if you're winning. Like, I, I think that's a completely natural mm-hmm. and reasonable response. Yeah. Um... And so, you know, kind of back to the basics ish. But and the focus really has been defensively. Um, David Jones reiterated that as well. Um, sounds like he he made it he made it a point to say like he's been watching film with Penny, and he's going to take a little more pride in his defense. It was code for like I played awful defensively <laughs> by and large. Well, we had eyeballs, yeah. Um, but he's going to take more pride defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, in what he does, um, and so yeah, but Penny still thinks he said, he said he still thinks this team has the capability to be a top five type of defense if it wants to be. I don't uh, know if I would go that far. I do think they have the capability of being better yeah, than what I, they've been. My my old deal is like I don't. They need, don't need to be a top. I don't five need defense. them to be one of the best defenses ever had. You just need them to be able to stay in front of guys and not just give up these like wide open like. Layup lines, yeah. No, the way phrase is we, we're now better able because of this swoon, if you will, in not even just the two games, but just this defensive free fall that they've had, especially in conference play. As he put it, like I did better, and I we're understanding what our weaknesses are defensively better now, and how we should cover them up, essentially. Um, and I asked him, does that mean personnel? Like, are you going to change personnel? He's like, no, 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 no. Like schematically, they're going to be a little different. It sounds like to cover up some of the weaknesses that they feel they've seen. I mean, pop I guess up. what what do you think that means? Not switching as much? Yes, I think it means packing the paint more and like, yeah, yeah, uh, that yeah, yes, that's what I think it means. I mean, to me the biggest problem that we, if you talk about those two games defensively, the biggest problem that I saw was when you got into those final possessions, did you really think they were getting a stop? Yeah, like but he he did say this. He said, we tried to do small things. But it needed to be major reconstructive surgery and we didn't do it. And so it's basically just identifying your weaker defenders versus your top defenders, understanding who's on the floor and what we need to do to protect in certain areas. Um, It's just the truth. And I believe in packing the paint and getting out. We weren't packing the paint. We were giving them both options. So now we're getting back to what we do. This is Memphis basketball starting moving forward, and now that the losses are here, I hate it had to be a loss to get there, but we just let a lot of stuff slide when we were winning because we were winning. Yeah, I I, I yeah. mean, I think that's entirely reasonable. I do think on the defensive end, like, the problem that I would see is, well, what do they take away? Because like, that was kind of, especially in the two-lane game, it's like, Mm-hmm. Well, they weren't taking away the initial dribble drive, and then now, I will w- say this: they did hold Tulane under their season average in points, not very much below their season average. Like it, Tulane is a top was top six in the country in scoring offense going into that game, and they I think they scored eighty one and they averaged eighty six. They were averaging eighty six. I mean, I, I I just look at the last five minutes; mm-hmm. they got whatever they wanted. Yes. Yeah. No, it was not a. But like I, I'm also like holistically like take away Tiger defense like when they go into a game, I don't feel like they, like, it's not as if there's one thing that's consistently getting them beat. Like it's not their three point defense. That's getting them beat. Like it's not their allowing penetration. Like they don't really stop anything. Mm -hmm. So at a certain level, I'm not saying that, Oh, they have to like, they have to be able to stop everything. I just would like to be, to see them stop. Take them, make them take something away. Yeah. Um, he, uh, I, I did ask him about uh, Jaden and Ashton's playing time. I went there. Okay. Um, do you want to hear the answer? I certainly do. Um, I, The way I framed it was, how do you balance, you know, you're both dad and coach to these two guys, and how do you balance deciding how much and when to play them, particularly in moments like this where, one, you've said publicly the chemistry is not great in the locker room right now, and, two, when you lose in a place like memphis like the scrutiny is significant you know more so than if you you know more so than when tulane or anyone else in the league sure. loses two games the scrutiny here is much more intense and this is what he said i just go by what i see in practice and what i know is real ashton is a talent he's more talented than jaden but if you ask anybody in this building jaden is one of the most important guys because he's going to box out every time He's going to contest everything. He's going to do all the stuff people don't respect uh, because he doesn't put points on the board. But he's our most solid player. And if you ask anybody in there, if you don't try to play him, they'll ask to put him in the game. He's not scoring because he doesn't look to shoot bad shots, but he's a stabilizer out there. He understands what's going on. He talks and communicates. People who don't know basketball can say that. It's like some people scrutinizing losing a game after winning 10 in a row— When everybody is losing and nobody is winning 10 in a row and the teams that we beat, I get it. You guys never hear me cry and moan about what people are saying or think about me because this is a game uh, and this is sports and these are kids. You never know what side of the bed they're going to wake up on to be ready to go and ready to play. He went on to say, um, at the end of the day, I as a dad don't teach my sons that you're just going to be given this. You've got to earn it. That's what I want them to understand. And Ashton is doing much better. He's getting more minutes. I didn't put him out there in the second half on the road because I went with a veteran in Jaden. Um, also said, you know, pointed out, like, part of the reason Jaden played so many minutes is the injuries in that game. And that's true. Um, yeah, I would also throw out, you can kind of hear it in this, but you have to dig a little bit to reach the conclusion. But it's kind of what your your brain tells you. Like, when it starts to get tight and Mm -hmm. it starts to get chaotic, I guess is maybe Penny has always reverted back to like, what's comfortable for him. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it was playing Alex Lomax, playing the East kids, like it's always been what's comfortable and rightly or wrongly, he has all the faith that Jaden's going to do what he's going to tell him to do. Yeah. I think there definitely is a comfortability. I mean, he even said it this one. He's like, I'm still getting to know these transfers. Like, It's the end of January, and he said that about his transfer. Like, I'm still kind of getting to know them. Um, I didn't recruit them for years. You know, like, I'm still getting to know these guys. Um, And I think in Jaden and in Ashton, he's got two guys that he does know and knows that they'll follow the game plan, whether they execute it. You know, like, they'll follow it. Um, I don't know. It's a fine answer, you know, and I think, um, you know, I would – you know, I very clearly would push back on like they need, like Jaden needs to be playing minutes for this team. Um, well, it, it always goes back to if you're going to have if if the coach's kids on the team, mm-hmm. it always needs to be one of two situations. Yeah, he either needs to be the best player on the team or needs to be the worst player on the team. Yeah, anything in between prob- causes is, issues. Yes, can cause issues. I should yes. say, but at at the at the same time, like I'm not sure, Jaden playing as many minutes as he did was the re I don't think that's the reason they lost to Tulane no I, I think they couldn't get a stop yeah and they just self-destructed so you know I just I just felt it was fair to you know like he's getting criticized for it I've criticized it him about it in columns I felt like it was fair to like give him a chance to answer it you know like explain why why he's doing what he's doing and I think it's a reasonable response. I'm not saying necessarily I agree with it, but it's not like a outlandish response. You know what I mean? No, but I, mean, I like, do push back uh, on like everyone yeah, in the building I mean, says well, like, yeah. he should play. It's like, okay. do you think I should play my son? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what uh, they're going to answer. Is this a then. trap? Like, w- w- yes. Yeah. Um, What's the answer it's supposed to give? And I do think the minutes Jaden got in that game were a direct correlation to Jaquan Walton getting hurt. Like he doesn't. He plays ten minutes if Jaquan Walton doesn't get hurt when you get a boo-boo uh ribs or something like that is what it was phrased so you got a boo-boo they got shot in the ribs or something (laughs) like that um but at the same time you know like i think it is legitimate to wonder like should jalen young have come in before four minutes were left in that game the other day you know should sharon font have you know what is you know and and i mean i think all that goes back to the same point like it's and he well it's interesting because Carl Sharonfont spoke to the media today, and it was a little weird because he's not playing, but he was kind of asked um, about just, like, being patient and all Mm -hmm. that stuff, and he said said, his trust, as in Penny's trust, is the biggest thing we have to gain as players. Like, he made that a point. Like, I thought that was, you know, it's kind of duh, but also, like, I think that's part of this. Yeah, I guess though the only thing like I, I I'm with you on the the no duh, but there also does have to be a recognition in my opinion from Penny. It's like you hear him say, "Well, I don't know these guys. I don't know these guys." This is the setup. Yeah. No. This is this is the life you've chosen. Correct. If you will. Yeah. With the with the transfer portal. And um, you know you think about it in these terms. It's like okay, he mentioned last year the tournament. He wanted to have his team ready to go in June. Well, based on some answers he gave, he didn't get the players that he wanted to get. And so, therefore, the, the process went on longer and longer and longer. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I, it's completely reasonable to wait because you think that's going to get you a better roster. That's I think most people would go, that's a defensible position. But the problem is, like, there has to be some sort of adjustment. Yeah. Like, you have to acknowledge, okay, like, I, I do think one of the fundamental flaws – of Penny Hardaway, the coach, is I do not think he is great at building a team. At the whole team building exercise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's good at very, very good at building a roster. Well, it's, it's, I would say this. I think he's, it, it just, the process seems to take longer. I think he, like, eventually gets there. But it seems like every year around this time where, you know, he's, now well, I mean, is when the question is like you know now is when it's like really getting down to the nitty gritty okay we gotta get to, we but gotta like, come I think together it's, here. I think it's a lot of the same it, like I think part of the lack of a pecking order like there's usually never a clear leader mm-hmm. like you know what I mean and yeah. like well, and the other side of the spectrum was and I think this is a decent point is let's say he does play Sharon Font in that game on Sunday right all right and Sharon font stinks yeah he get criticized for that too. For, yeah. For, for turning to a guy who hadn't played much. No, I agree. And then he's st- if he stunk in the second half and so if you're penny in that situation, do you go with Jaden who has actually, you know, to be fair, like not this year but in previous years done some good things in big games for them in the past. He was okay last year. Yeah. Let's not overstretch his value. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's had a couple moments yeah, in big I, spots I, for you. I, I agree. Yeah. But I I imagine if we do the – if we're doing the whole spreadsheet. Yeah. No, no. I, I Listen, I am firmly in the camp of he should be playing his sons less. Like, and he should give Jalen Young more minutes and maybe try Carl Schoenfeld. My gut would tell me just go to an eight-man rotation and yeah, call it a day. My, my problem is he should just be playing a lot of people less. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless – uh, they seem to be as healthy as they can be going into this UAB game um, on the road Sunday. Um, that feels like a, just—I a, mean, it just feels like a game. If given everything we've heard since the Tulane game, it would be really disheartening if they. Well, lose. I think so. I think this is the this is the fundamental question of like kind of what we're exploring: is the season actually on the brink? Because Penny was very quick when someone used the word crisis. He was like, this is not a crisis. Because I feel like I've been pretty clear. I think there are clear things to criticize. Mm -hmm. Guess what? That could go pretty much for about every team in the country. Like, I was mentioning to you the other night, I was watching Kansas. And it's, I don't know, maybe our fourth or fifth time watching Kansas in the last three weeks. And there are moments where you see Kansas play and you go, man, that looks like the best team like they look unstoppable and then you wait around five minutes and you're like that team looks horrible so you can find things to criticize on just about any team it's just this is the team that we that we cover but I also don't think like I'm very clearly in the camp of I think people are overreacting I do not think that this is as big of a meltdown as possible and I'm still not ruling out that a lot of this is not manufactured Hmm. Interesting. Um, At a certain point when it keeps happening at the same time every single year. I think this past week they had one bad loss. And it's because it was the first one, it made the second one seem bad. And when you really go through the circumstances of the Tulane game, the Tulane game was probably one that, not that they should have lost, but like,
2: it it made a lot of sense.
0: Losing on the road against, and the I know team. Tulane lost to UTSA last night. But like, if you look at you, if you look at Tulane, and Penny pointed this out, Tulane, and this is a point I've well, made. Well, Memphis almost lost to UTSA. Yeah, Memphis almost lost to UTSA. One, UTSA's number computer numbers don't match how good that team is. They got one of their best player was one of those guys who got cleared when from the, the court cases. Yeah, when the court cases happened, but um, like Tulane's really good at all. If you look at their track record on Ron Hunter, really good at home. Not good on the road at all. Like unless they're playing Memphis. <laughs> unless they're playing Memphis. Um and but it's a problem for the whole league. Like the whole league is pretty good at home. But well, then I, mean, I was on I was on Neil and Chase's show this morning and it's you know this is college basketball. Like if you yeah. go and you look at like the SEC. It's hard to win on the road no matter where you're there's a reason why you multiply road wins, what is it, one point four it's like basically carries 40% more weight. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why, and I don't know if it was the pandemic or whatever. We just, like there was a point in time where we just decided it wasn't hard to win on the road, and yeah. I, I don't know why we did that, mm-hmm. and we acted like that all road games are just played well, on paper. Ultimately, Memphis suffered one bad loss last week. Correct. And it was, re- it was a bad loss. Not It really wasn't a horrible loss from the metrics. It was just a bad loss from the metrics. It was a horrible loss in terms of how it played out. Yeah, emotionally it wasn't yeah. a great one. And, but then you also you factor in, okay, like you had the weird weather, the yep. the crowd. I still think they win both those games if just the weather's just cold and people can actually come to the building and, two, Jake on Walton plays the second half. I think they win both <sighs> those games. And I, those, those are only, big ifs. The only problem I have with the first statement is – what does the cold and the, the crowd have to do with they looked like they've never seen a zone before? Which, by the way, was not a unique. That's not the first time we've been like, oh, man, they look bad against the zone. Yeah. Well, I think because they weren't sharing the ball in that game. Yeah, that but, was the but my the point ball. is I, I thought the crowd was less of the issue. I thought the mm-hmm. bigger issue was the fact that they were really bad against the zone. Yeah, but I, I, I agree that they I, – I just think they pull that game out. You know, like they, it wouldn't have been pretty, but they pull that game out if it's a normal crowd. They go on some sort of run that helps them pull it out because they got the crowd behind them. That's that maybe I'm yeah. wrong. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what he does uh coming out of this break, but it does seem like um, at least from what they were saying, this week, as we thought and as it seemed in the moment, like it's coming at a good time and they're, you know, they've kind of regrouped. And I suspect I'm not saying they're gonna go undefeated the rest of the way. But I suspect we're going to see a much better version of this team coming out of this week of practices. I would – and again, if they don't, I think I would be pretty dejected because, like, this is the moment in time to do this. You know, like, there's no it's, – it's not a lot of – there's not other – there's not a ton of moments to kind of regroup left on the schedule just in terms of timing of games and what have you. Yeah, I don't know. I guess then, like, the m- – then, like when I really think about how much we're probably overthinking and overreacting to all of this, and really I'm I'm pointing the finger at all of y'all because <laughs> I feel like I've been pretty pretty consistent on this. You can really even simplify it even more if Javon Quinterly really just plays better in yeah. the last two games. They're sitting here at yeah. sixteen and two or seventeen and two, and guess what? He's played pretty well for the most part, and that's why they're sitting here at what fifteen and four. Yes. All right, he had a couple of he had a couple of bad games. They're going to be fine, I like, think. I think they're going to come out and play pretty well against UAB. That would be my that would be my prediction uh this weekend. I think they needed they probably needed to take, you know, an L or two, you know, cuz Penny talked about it again today. You know, you've got these transfers from the Big East and the Big 12 and the ACC and, you know, like, they didn't, res- you know, just like most of the nation doesn't respect the league. Kind of like Penny when he first got to the league. <laughs> they didn't respect the league, and uh, now they've got their attention. You know, like, th- these two losses have gotten their attention. Yeah, I mean, the question, though, is, can you just flip a switch? And, like, oh, now I respect t- – I totally get it. Well, the, the to me is, can they become – offensively, they're still playing pretty well. I yeah. know they don't share the ball the way you – Penny wants them to, but like ultimately, they've got some really gifted offensive players. The question well, is: every one of their losses—I mean, I guess you could maybe say the—you could say the Villanova game—but I put that in a separate category. I mean, the second the, the games they've lost has not been because man, they couldn't score. Well, the second half of the USF game, they didn't have a good offensive half at all, and yeah, but they still scored enough to win. Yes, um, but can they become a better defensive team? My sense is yes. To like I me, mean, I like the three losses that I think about the most are the Ole miss loss, the two lane loss, and the USF loss. The they're, Hallmark, all, they're all come down to like a possession or two. Well, they couldn't get a stop. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Down the stretch in the Ole miss game, they couldn't stop that little point guard. Couldn't stop Murray. The USF game. They couldn't stop the white guy. Or whatever. The, oh, the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe he got player of the week. Yeah. Uh, I forget what his name is. Uh, he was, was number eleven. Yeah. Um I'll find his name. And then and the then other they, day, yeah, like, ultimately, like they couldn't get. I mean, against uh, against Tulane. I mean, ultimately, that Sion James guy with their James, or even with what didn't Kevin Cross foul out of that game? Yes. Um. So, yeah, it was uh. Cross killed them when he was in there too. Yeah, Cross. Yeah. They, well, but again. It's hard to know what—again, they held Tulane below their season average, at least. But, yes, um, to your point. Um, and, by the way, USF keeps winning, by the way. They've now won— Don't let them get hot. They've now won 10 of their last 11. Like, they might be the third or fourth best team in the league. Yeah, it's still a bad loss. Yeah, no, it, I mean, they're still 140—131, Kenzo. Yeah, ball. but I'm just talking about it. I'm talking—forget— How it played out. Kashawn yes. Pryor is yeah. who you're talking about from USF who killed them. Uh, you're up— Twenty at home, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, it was a bad loss. It was like, a bad that's loss. But again, I'm not talking about the, the opponent. I'm just saying like that's a game you have to win. I still, I, I feel good about my ten and two prediction. I think that's what we're gonna see from them down the stretch. Ten and two, nine and three. Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, what the, that gets into what twenty six and sevens. That would 20, ten and two would get you to twenty five and six. Nine and three would put you at twenty four and seven. Um. So, uh, gotta wait till Sunday. Four o'clock tip. Forgot to ask Penny if we can get that changed. Oh, by the way, it sounds like Jordan Brown. It sounds like he'll play on Sunday. Um, yeah. this week. This week's been good for his reintegration. I mean, this is my other point, though. It's like you can't complain about not knowing and trusting your roster. And then, by the way, we're bringing a guy back who hadn't played in three months. <laughs> two. It's like a month. Two months. Almost two months. He played in the Ole Miss game. Did That's, he have? Did he have extended food poisoning? <laughs> the old, we haven't. Yeah, we haven't heard anything about how he yeah, got the, rid of that illness. illness. Yeah. Um, but Mayo Clinic, where where would we go? But it sounds like MD he, Anderson. It sounds like he will get some PT mm. this weekend. Um, this week was good. This week's been good for him and his <laughs> his re, his, re, his reintegration yeah. into the into the roster. So. Um, Interesting times for Memphis basketball. Program is brought to you by one of my new favorite spots in town, Birdie's, located at 493 South Main Street. Actually, one of my golf buddies in my golf group in the group chat sent a picture last night from Birdie's smash-to-drive. I think he was at Wileye, playing at Wiley on one of the 600 courses worldwide, smash-to-drive over the far-left bunker. Great video that he sent to the group last night. If you want to go and have a night of it while hitting some golf shots, You can do so at birdies. Also, check out their Instagram. Their Instagram handles, at birdies901. They have three golf simulators, virtual putting course, as well as a full-service bar, and a great menu. Makes for a great group hang spot, or if you just want to go and work on your game. Doesn't really matter what what your actual intention is. They can make it work for you. Go check them out again. 493 South Main Street, Suite 101. You can also check out their website, golfatburdies.com. Eric Castleton, back from Miami.
2: Let's
0: talk about that big Grizz win. No apparent, back to back, no apparent reason Grizz wins. We'll do that next right here on Jadano and Jeffrey. 99.
2: When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go.
0: Yes. Of course, it means we welcome to the program Eric hastime Memphis Grizzlies radio network pay by play announcer. Eric, surprising road trip split. I guess I'll ask you this. From having been in person at both games, what was the more fun win, the Toronto win or last
3: night? I think last night, Toronto, you know, had made the moves they made, but it... I don't know. Like, did last night because you had Luke Kennard, you had Santi Aldama. Um, Just the unexpected nature of last night. Yeah, I mean, you you had four guys. Uh, I don't know if you saw this on on the. So the uh, the, the note night, that I saw was
0: they had it's four guys that were
3: either on two ways or had been on two ways or are still on two ways or were on a two way to start the year. And then inflated. I think the
0: AP story noted that the Grizzlies had. Uh, it was like nine like eight of the nine if you took out Jaron Jackson's like it was thirty five million dollars of payroll versus you know Jimmy Butler, which I would assume, you know, his whole contract's more than that.
3: Probably. Uh Bayamon Bile's up there, Tyler Hero's yep. up there. Um yeah, they combined for almost seventy points, you know, between four guys. And when we add it up, you you basically split the point guard minutes dead even between Scottie Pippen Jr. and Jacob Gilliard. And uh, they 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 combined for really good numbers. Maybe a couple more turnovers than than you'd like, but it wasn't awful. Um, and you can attest those turnovers that they haven't really played with these guys. Gilliard has. Scottie Pippen had played one game, and for you know mop up time. And, and they haven't and even had any practices. I think since he joined no, the team. No, like. it just it was too hard. To, I mean, they had practice. They had, they, they look. They don't have formal practices a lot, you know, when you're on a road trip like that, but they'll have optional shooting and work. And here's the thing about this group. A lot of guys go to optional shooting and work. I You know, I, I see them coming back from the arena and you see this busload of people get off and you're like, dude, optional yeah. when you have a veteran team usually means like three guys go. There were a lot more than that. So these guys are taking this seriously, which is great. Um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and paint a, you know, rainbow colored picture and tell everybody, Oh, it's amazing. They're going to make this incredible, you know, unexpected run. And they're going to shock the world. That's probably not going to be a case, but the one thing, you know, you'll get from these guys when they take the court is they're going to bust their butts. They're going to bust their tails. They're going to go after it. They're not going to, you know, sit back and just go, Oh, we're just happy to be here. And we're not going to, you know, try to fight and scratch and claw and do everything we can to get a win. We just, we know we're, You know, we're not as talented or deep as other teams, so, oh, poor us. That's not the way they're thinking. And that's what you have to do to be a pro. And we talked about that. You have to be pro. You have to be a professional. You have to be, um, you know, confident in your abilities. And, you know, there's no better case than that than, than Vince Williams. And, you know, Vince Williams was a guy who was fighting for everything he had. And now Vince Williams gets on, you know, high-level players, and you can just you can see their body language when they look at him and they just go, who is this dude, and why is he up in my grill? And Vince is like, yeah, I'm right here. I, yeah, I'm still here. You haven't lost me You haven't lost well, he's me He's got yet. a
0: great crazy person smile. Like, you know, oh, like when he's, he's defending someone, he's, oh, he's got the great, yeah. like the smile of like, oh, man, I don't know what to make of this guy, but he's
3: smiling at me right now. Yes, right. Is this guy a psychopath? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of again. There you go. That's kind of the 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 demeanor. Is this guy insane? Like, what's wrong with him? Like, <laughs> doesn't is, he know he's you not
0: need, And you need w- at least one of those
3: guys on the roster. And there's no, a void. you need a guy that that just is in like I forgot where it was. Maybe it was um, I'm trying to remember where it was, but it, it was a star level player. And Vince wasn't saying a word, and the guy just kept saying something. It was Bruce Brown is mm. in fact, who it was. I think it was Toronto. And Bruce Brown just kept jawing at him and kept, you know, and Bruce Brown won a title last year. He's not oh, yeah. a, a superstar, but you get to see, he, and he's the only one carrying it on. And Vince is just laughing. Mm. And you're like, this, this dude literally doesn't care. He doesn't care what people think about him. He doesn't care whether he's not supposed to be doing it. He doesn't care if a guy that's got a championship ring or has, you know, signed multi-year contracts and has been as the league seven years is chewing him up and down and telling him how bad he is. He doesn't care because you know what he's saying? Um, yeah, I do belong here and I've earned it and I'm not going to let you take me out of my game. So, uh, it was, uh, it, it was fun to watch, and last night I think I, they're both gratifying wins because after what happened in Chicago, you go to Toronto, and just so people understand the logistics of this, you know, you stayed. We stayed over in Chicago, um, watched the end of the Packer um, Niner game, and as I was joking with my friends on one of the rock stations, you know, one of our great sponsors, you know, season ticket holders dear friends that own Ghost River Brewing came up because they 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 have a place in the area, so they came up to the game to support the Grizz. Huge Packer fans like me. So we're watching in this sports book bar at at, you know, United Center. And um apparently the Bulls fans that are there think that green bay is named the bucks or Mm. something that sounds like Uh that because there was a lot of that uh it rhymed Um, Mm. yeah there was a couple rhymes there was a Uh couple words that rhymed with bucks that were yelled a lot Uh in our ears and as uh the young kicker anders carlson missed um that was not fun that's where we kind of looked at each other went that's not good at all and and i kind of called it Rob Fisher was with me. I said, hey, here's what's going to happen. Jordan Love's going to try to make a play. He's going to throw it back. Boy, back. did he. And, yeah, he sure did. I and mean, if you look at the replay, the w- the right side of the field is <laughs> wide open. Yeah. Like, dude, just tuck that sucker. And you can hear he Eric ends shouting
0: ends. in the distance <laughs> something that rhymes Survive with, with bucks. Box. Yeah. 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 yeah,
3: Run! <laughs> God, I mean, run, you crazy- you know, whatever the uh, rip-torn character in uh, Dodgeball yelled at uh, Gordon. He was like, go. Oh, catches a who You know what, yeah. yeah so, uh, so it was a – the whole point of that is it was kind of a down moment. I mean, that, not just for me, but for the loss itself to Chicago was there, and we were all kind of looking around going, dude, that was – Is this what this whole road trip's going to be like? After. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. they had come back from down 10. They had a horrible first half offensively, couldn't make a shot. Ball movement was okay. Then they tie the game, take the lead, and you're going like, okay, they've they've gotten into their groove. And then it was like a switch flipped for Chicago, and everything went their way, and nothing, literally nothing, went the Grizzlies' way. And you're going like, oh wow, that I've seen a lot of game momentum flips, and obviously in 23 years, and I've seen a lot of. Lobsided runs. That was one that will stick with me because that one did seem to break their spirit a little bit. So you get out of there, you go home that night, you're stewing in this, and then you got to fly to Toronto. And oh, by the way, it was freezing in Chicago, like to the point where nobody was going anywhere on foot. It was just that cold, that windy. It had been that way in Minneapolis, and you're like, great, here we go to Toronto you got to go through customs. You're getting in a little bit later. The airport is like a year away from downtown, and you're just thinking all we want to do is just get to our room, go watch the Sunday night game somewhere close by, and then just get through the evening. While you do that, then you get to the game, and it's actually pleasant out. The the weather's not bad. It's 28, which is not bad compared to where we've been, including Memphis. And so it was weird because you're coming off a loss where – It was probably the first time this year I've seen guys really hang in their head, and understandably so. I'm not going to ever knock a guy for being human and just going, what next? You know, because that's what they're going through. And to see the way they came out and attacked that game against Toronto was impressive. But then you go on top of that. After that win, everybody feels great. You're staying over in Toronto. The mood on the plane from Toronto to Miami is fantastic, even though we've got to wait and sit there forever, and everybody just wants to get to the warm weather, and everybody just wants to get where they've got friends or family down there, which a lot of people did. We were down there going to dinner with some sponsors, and then it's just sitting there and waiting and waiting, and you're just like, oh, my gosh. And then you get to the game and you go, Miami just made that Terry Rozier's available. Yeah, they're gonna make. They're gonna try to make their statement now, and the first five minutes of the game, Bam Adebayo looks like he's on a mission to humiliate Jaron Jackson, yeah. uh, and Jaron's making his moves, and, and Bam's getting the better of him. And you're going, okay, wh- where do you get the spark? And these three young dudes, four young dudes, just go, we got you. We'll give you the spark. And it's Scotty and it's Jacob and it's Gigi and it's Vince Williams who just came in and started making plays. And I'm watching this and I I vividly remember this from yesterday. I felt like I could hear myself through the headphones because the arena was so quiet because everybody is looking around going, What is happening here? And it it was bananas. And just watching, and you saw the confidence grow, and that's what happens. And, you know, I, we talked about this last week. Somebody asked me, you know, in my little pregame thing there at Ghost River that I was telling you about, who am I excited to see play? And I said, G.D. Jackson, because he's going to get a chance, and he's got the NBA size and length and athleticism, and he's just young and he needs to grow up. I've already seen what Vince is capable of doing, and now Vince has, like, taken the reins and really worked on his craft. Now I'm excited to see Scotty. Because Scotty last night as we talked to him Said straight up I just needed to prove to myself I belong Because I was wondering at one point And I knew I could play and I knew I was good And I scored 20 a game in Vanderbilt And then you know had a 41 point game in, in the G League But that's the SEC in the G League That's not the NBA And if anybody understands that I'm sure it's Scotty Pippen Jr. Because oh by the way the name kind of carries A little lore and he's been around it all his life So Yeah last night was Man, it was, it was fun. You know, there's, there's not going to be, you know, a ticker tape parade at the end of the season, probably and almost assuredly, but to watch them grow and develop and to see the quote unquote blessings in disguise of getting guys valuable game experience when they win like that against a team that I do believe, I know they're not playing well right now. I think when they figure out their chemistry yeah. and whatever's not working on the offensive end. I think you better watch out for that Miami team. They showed last year.
0: All they got to do is make the playoffs, and they'll be dangerous. Like, that's all they got to do.
3: Their defense is tough. They have the big body in the middle, and they're methodical on offense. They take care of the ball. They value possessions. And as soon as Rozier gets the understanding of that offense and what his responsibility is, and that's an understandable thing to not be able to do first night because you're trying to show your teammates what you can bring to the table. Um, they're going to be dangerous, and to split with that with them is is awesome. To to look at the road record and have I think now more well, five hundred on the road. Yeah, I think they're going to win well, more road. Ga- <laughs> I think they're going to win more road games this year than they won last year. Yeah, it's almost impossible not to. What did they win last year? 14? Sixteen. Yeah, I think it was 16. sixteen total. Yeah, yeah. And they- they're thirteen and twelve right now. Yes. So yeah, barring a uh, barring just a complete and utter collapse. And oh, by the way, you get to go back to Detroit. You get to go to Charlotte. You, you get yeah. some, uh, you get some games against the lower levels. Another still got to go Santa to San Carolina. Antonio, right? I yeah. think. Yeah, still got that, still yeah. got that in play, and and there'll be some teams. I think that you know well, we do see that. that Eric that Spolstra of- said it
0: after the. I don't know if you watched Eric Spolstra's press conference after the game. Like he was kind of like he did not see, you very clearly did not seem panicked at all by how the Heat are playing. But he he kind of said it, and he's right. He goes, "We're in that portion of the NBA schedule where crazy things sometimes happen." And oh, I actually think and I actually think in this case it very well could be to the Grizzlies benefit over the next month or so because yeah. they are gonna play really hard with with these guys and sometimes that can you know these guys are talented enough and sometimes that can be enough in a game like you know in a weird game if you will um and so and you're
3: gonna and you're gonna catch some games where they're not used yeah. to the three and four nights you're gonna yeah. catch some times where Like, Take, for example, this coming weekend. They're going to play a young, athletic, hungry Orlando team that started out better than they are right now. They've kind of hit a lull, but then they just thumped Miami. They've been off since that time. They have a chance to do something that organization hasn't done in a long time, which is go back to the postseason. And then you're talking about a day off, go play the fastest-paced team in the NBA, and are arguably going to set the record for all of those numbers and Mm -hmm. just looks to try to run and outscore you. Now, you beat them, but you beat them with jaw. And, oh, by the way, waiting for you when you get home is a Sacramento team Mm -hmm. that's trying to prove, you know, hey, don't forget about us. You're talking about Minnesota. You're talking about Oklahoma City. You're talking about Denver. Don't forget about us. We're pretty good. We got a dynamic point guard and a big that can do a little bit of everything that's kind of another version of Nikola Jokic. And so, you know, they will look to – come in and, and do what they did to the Grizzlies the first time they were here, which was take control of the game. So um, they're going to hit those lulls where when you have seemingly nine, maybe ten guys available, three and four nights is a lot. It really mm-hmm. is. And they're going to have nights where their legs are dead, and they're going to have nights where you're asking guys that have never really played 33 minutes a game to play 33 minutes a game. And they've got to figure out, how to conserve their energy in a game, when to just kind of ease off the gas pedal and coast a little bit. If there's a play you can't really make, you don't have to sprint 94 feet back down for optics anymore. The minutes are yours. And that's a different mindset. You know, that is a different mindset for these guys. You want to think NBA players play hard all the time and they do, but there is a conservative nature to at times where you're like, there's a 0% chance I'm catching De'Aaron Fox from five feet behind him. So why sprint full court when he's already got me by two steps? It's just not happening. It's just not. You have to be realistic and, and look at that. So um, it's going to be fun, though. You know, I, I think to watch the development, it's going to be at times you're going, ooh, it, just not there. But I think the great thing that I've noticed, and I, you know, you guys obviously probably have a better finger on the pulse of the fan base other than just people I talk to live uh, because of your show. I think people understand. I don't think anybody's out here going. Oh, they should be this. They should be that. I think all of the, you know, what's wrong with the coaches? Why is this happening? Blah blah blah. All that stuff's curtailed. Yeah. Because the one thing you can point to right now that this team has not done: Sands Chicago game, late third quarter, when clearly the frustration settled in. They haven't let go. They haven't let go of the rope once. They really haven't. I mean, they've gotten frustrated. They've had moments, but you've never seen them go out and just go. Wow, that was pretty brutal. Like that was a brutal effort that just they didn't they didn't bring it, they didn't have it, they didn't try to find it. There have been nights where they didn't have it, but they didn't stop trying to find it. And at some point you realize, okay, it's it's not gonna happen tonight. But and that's everybody. Like you said, Eric Spilish was talking about this crazy NBA schedule. Mm-hmm. There's a reason. Like teams like Detroit aren't owing everything. They're underdogs in every game, but they're going to win some games. You're going to win games. You're going to have nights where your professional players make more plays than the other professional players, whether they're better professional players than them or not. They were in that stretch of 48 minutes, just you know because. That's the way the game goes.
0: Well, it's interesting you bring that all up because last week when the Warriors were in town, I asked Steve Kerr, you know, like, hey, you guys went through one of these types of seasons back in yep. whatever it was, 2018, 19, I think it was. Actually, what, there were two of them. Yeah. Um, well, but they, yeah, what, yeah you're right. Um, but but they, one, one, one re- where they were, like, yes. literally the worst team in the league that yeah. year. Uh, it was the COVID year. It was the year, that the, the bubble year. Uh, uh, they didn't go to the bubble because they were so bad. But I asked him, like, do you look back on that? Everyone talks about it like gap year, and obviously they kind of blew the Wiseman pick that they got from it. But um, like, do you look back on that fondly? Is what I ask. Like, it, you know, that's kind of what people have talked themselves into here in Memphis. Is like, you know what? The Warriors went through this and won a title after it. The Nuggets, to a certain extent, went through this when Jamal Murray got hurt and then came.